you can change your life even after 10, 15 years or whatever amount of time being a victim if you make that choice. It's a choice and it's a choice that you have to make every single day. The commitment is that when you know that you work through it and you did the programs and you did the therapy, you keep on showing up for yourself even when you're triggered. Hello, and thank you for joining our podcast, Hope to Recharge, a show that is designed to bring hope, inspiration, motivation, and some practical tips to those that are battling depression and anxiety, and to those that are supporting loved ones that are going through the journey in this difficult time of depression and anxiety. I'm here to tell you, you are not alone, and we will live beyond depression and anxiety. We will share our stories one story at a time in a world of mental health together is better. I'm your host Matana. Thank you for tuning in. Hello, everybody. Thank you for joining me here today. Can you hear how excited I am? I am so excited for this recording. I have two very special guests that became my very good friends very fast, very quickly. One is longer. One, you know, already Folly Klein. She's been on twice already, a very popular guest and a high demand on our podcast. Thank you again, Folly, for joining me here. My pleasure to be here again and again. Thank you. <laughs> Never enough of folly. And the truth is that we really started with Mary Grunhaus. Mary is, how do I say it? Like, I think if I'll say it in a hundred sentences, it won't be enough. So <laughs> Mary, I met her, I think less than a month ago on Instagram. And I I never heard of her, even though she is very, very famous in the Instagram and the female entrepreneur world. She's a fashion designer, Mika Fashion, a heart full of gold, literally a heart full of gold on so many levels. And we actually made a meeting that we're going to just talk about business. And our meeting went until one something in the morning for our meeting. And we didn't even touch the surface of how our minds think alike and how much we want to do for the mental health community, how much we have our passions align, our families align so much. And then you know what I found out? She's in Boca. And the day I spoke to her was the day I returned from Boca. So I was in Boca the whole coronavirus for four months. I didn't know about her. God wanted me to come back before I met her because he knew, God knew that we would be the entire times together and then we wouldn't be able to get any work done and our families would probably be really mad. So God brought me back to New York before he introduced me to Mary. How crazy is that? So Mary, thank you for joining me here today. My pleasure. I'm super excited. Thank you for having me. So Mary, as you can hear, the first question I asked her is, where are you from, Mary? I'm from Brazil. <laughs> yeah. So she's <laughs> from Brazil and she's like, guess where I'm from? I said, I hear two things. I think I said Brazil. And what else did I say? Hebrew, right? No, I said another thing. Mm -hmm. And you said you're the only one that guessed it right. I said Brazil and something else. I don't remember what it was. And you said, it's funny because I am from Brazil and I do something in the other country that I guessed and whatever. I don't remember what the other country was. But anyway, so she has a very interesting background. And the reason why I brought them together is because God brought us all together. And we're going to reveal the story as we go along because it's a very, very fascinating story. Today's episode is sponsored by BetterHelp.com. Are you looking for online therapy? Are you stuck at home like everyone else? High stress, high anxiety, worried about the future, trying to navigate everything, have a lot of worries, have a lot of emotional roller coaster rides up and down, just like me. BetterHelp.com is one phone call away, one Zoom call away, one text away. It's an online platform for therapy. It's so perfect for now, for coronavirus, for what people are going through now. We can reach out and get the perfect therapist that meets our needs. Don't wait. Check them out. See if you can find somebody don't struggle. They're so affordable. They are so affordable. You're sitting at home. Every therapist is working online now. 
reach out and get help you need. If you are struggling, don't struggle in silence. I am so grateful that they are giving us 10% off the first month so you can get affordable access to therapy. Go to betterhelp.com forward slash hope to recharge. Betterhelp.com forward slash hope to recharge. Start your wellness, get help, get support you need. So at this four hour meeting that we were having through Zoom talking about business, but it was nothing about business. It was all about healing and spirituality and connecting to the higher powers of us and desire and dreams and what we do in our life in order to achieve things and the homework that we do. That's what our conversation was about. And then I said to her at the end, at 1.15 in the morning, so I said, you know what, Marie, we're so aligned. We have to make an event together because we just, we vibrate on the same energy. And we were discussing the different people. I'm just thinking about the different conversations that we spoke about that day with the BYLR with Jesse Itzler that you were looking into Jesse Itzler. And I told you that I was a part of his community and she was joining BYLR. It was so many crazy things that were just aligned. Boom, 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 boom. And, and I said, okay, so Mary, when we have this dream event and it's going to be all about helping females heal and find their higher power and walk through adversity. I don't remember who said it first, that there's one lady that we have to add to our speaker. And we said Folly's name together, like together. And she looked at me, Mary looked at me and she's like, you know, Folly? I said, you know, Folly? She's like, I need to tell you a story about Folly. But she said, I first have to ask Folly if I could share this story with you. <laughs> anyway, the goosebumps started just getting more and more and more. And then we realized that Folly was going to be our trio in this episode that we're going to do all about healing the broken heart. But Miri is creating a, actually a course and we decided that we're going to name this episode after her course. So Miri, before we name the course and what it's all about, I want you to give a little bit of a history of how you even got into fashion where you grew up. Give me the, the background, where you grew up, how you came to America, started your family, and why fashion? Okay. So I grew up in Brazil, in Rio de Janeiro, and I was there until I was 14. When I was 14, I went to Israel for high school, where I was there for four years. And when I returned home, I really wanted to go into law school. My father was an attorney. I was very, very close with my father. He told me, come work with me, because I'm not so sure that you're doing this because you love it, or because you want to make me happy. I worked with my father for a year, and I very soon saw that this is not for me. And I started studying graphic design and marketing. And then I came to America, and I studied. I graduated with a degree in marketing and started my design firm after just a few years of working in the industry. And with time, my expertise became ethics and compliance, and my clients were the legal and compliance department of pharmaceutical companies. That was my niche. I did work for other sectors as well, but my expertise was promoting ethics. So I felt that in the end, I did something that my father would be proud, but I was happy in that environment of creative and marketing and design. So about, I would say, six, seven years ago, you know, I, I always say it's not true because life is a mountainous terrain. We have ups and downs. We all experience ups and downs, right? It's not a flat line. I'm overall very resilient and strong person. So throughout my entire life, all of the downs that I had, I always managed to pick myself up pretty quickly and being naturally resilient. But about six, seven years ago, I went through a hardship that really broke me. I am not going into the story simply because it's not only my story. And I feel that a story that belongs to many people should be talked together. And it doesn't matter. It wasn't so much the adversity as it was how I took the adversity. It was my reaction to the adversity. I felt very broken. And I really... Because I'm a visual learner, I'm a, 
I'm in the design field and I'm very creative. Those words mean something to me. The fact that I say I felt broken, I really felt broken. And I could see, I used to envision myself as a vase because I felt a vase is what keeps the flowers together in water. And my job was to hold my family together and I was sustaining it. So I could see the whole vision of the vase and I'm the vase. Vase, and then it fell and it broke and it was shattered on the floor, and I couldn't hold my flowers together, and that's how I felt. And till that point in my life, during that time, I didn't feel like I knew my path back. Like I said, I was very close to my father. He always used to describe me as somebody with a lot of joie de vivre, which is zest of life. And I was disappointed with myself that I was disappointing him in my sadness. So it wasn't only that I felt broken, but I felt that I was making my father sad that I was Mm. sad. And then was the aha moment. It was that one day that everything began to change. A friend of mine sent me a video of a Thai man describing the art of Kintsugi. And And he was speaking with a soft voice. It was almost a meditation as he was describing it. And we could see the pictures and the video of the pottery that it was put together with gold. And it was at that moment that I understood that I would be able to put my pieces back together. I just wouldn't look the same as I did before. And maybe I would have a different purpose as than holding flowers and water. Maybe my, my purpose would be a different one. But I could end up being stronger than before because Kintsugi, the the pottery, where it was put back together, becomes stronger. So if it falls again, usually it does not break where it had been mended before. It has new breaks, but not where it had been fixed. Mary, can you elaborate for those that don't know what Kintsugi is? We're going to put the link to that video because it's a very popular video. But just elaborate a little bit of what is the art of healing through Kintsugi that they should understand. Sure. So in Japanese culture, when pottery falls and breaks, they don't throw it out. They put it back together. It all started in the 1500s when the Shogun had a teapot that he loved so much. And when it broke, he was devastated. He sent it to China to be fixed and they fixed it with, with metal. And he did, really didn't like it. It was almost like staplers in the pottery. And he put it out in Japan for artists to figure out a new way. And this Japanese artist discovered this a lacquer called Urushi that comes from a certain tree that it really glues if you let it enough time to pass it holds the pieces back together really strongly. And what he did after polishing is that he added gold, pure gold, to highlight the breaks, and he created art with that. The Shogun loved it so much, it became even a more favorite piece of his Mm -hmm. than before that it had been broken. And with this, it it was so celebrated that it became an art common in Japan. Now, in Japan, everything has some meaning, and and there's a philosophy behind it. So this became immediately something that taught people that just like you don't throw away the pottery, the fact that you break, that doesn't mean that you're garbage. It only means that the work is beginning and you can make something a lot more beautiful, a lot more valuable and stronger. Uh, In Japan, they also really, they have in their culture, the philosophy wabi-sabi, which really celebrates imperfections. They see imperfections as beautiful. In the Western culture, we believe in symmetry, but in the Eastern culture is asymmetry that is so beautiful and revered. So if you look at the art, you'll see that they really celebrate what's imperfect and not symmetric. They are very much into uh, keeping the old together, the, the parents and grandparents and the family. It's all about learning and growing in their culture. So I became fascinated about it. I was watching one video after the other. You know, I was going through that break and I was a nightmare. I was feeling really bad. So I was really consuming everything Kintsugi that I could learn from a spiritual path. Now, what had happened, I have to go back a couple of years before I saw the video 
I had decided to change careers in order to numb myself. So I don't have any vices in a way of like drinking and smoking and things like that. It's just not my cup of tea. So when I was going through a hard time, I wanted to numb myself. I said, great, I'm going to change careers. I'm going to do something I know nothing about. I'm going to be so busy. I'm going to be working 18, 20 hours a day. And then I'm not going to feel pain because I'm going to be so busy. So that's what I did. I became a fashion designer. I don't know how to sew till today. I don't know how to sew. And I, I started learning. I still today don't know the names of the stitches. I go, the one that looks like this. <laughs> <laughs> it is what it is. But I, what happened, I, I wasn't feeling, my, my, my fashion at that time didn't have any prints or, or didn't have the Kansugi theme. And I was feeling like I wasn't connecting. I wasn't loving as much as I loved the work that I did with ethics and compliance that I really loved. I felt it was my purpose, but just doing clothing, I didn't feel that I was fulfilling my purpose. Once I saw that video and I saw the potential that I could heal, what I realized is that if I can make my clothing inspired by that art, I will be able to inspire and empower other women the same way that I was inspired to put my pieces back together. Now that is a mission. That is purpose. If I can, because I'm a visual learner, I'm not the only one. Let me inspire other people through the visual. Let me start telling this story. The collection completely changed and everything. I changed my tags and my stories and I started doing photo shoots and and, um, I started then interviewing women that had gone through hardship and healed. I wanted to know if these women had something in common. I wanted to know if I could reach a bigger amount of people. Like, is there something that these people are genetically predispositioned to heal or can anybody heal? So I literally believe with my whole heart that God brings me the people that I interview because it is fascinating how my world collides with these women that have absolutely nothing like doesn't make any sense that I'm meeting these people but I do and they open up to me and they share with me what happened to them those meetings are very cathartic sometimes they're crying sometimes I'm crying they're difficult I'm an empath so I feel everything I feel their their feelings through the through the interviews but at the same time they teach me so much and I started implementing the lesson so After I do the interviews, I write my top three lessons from that individual. What did I learn from them? I'm very introspective like that. And I always said, okay, so I I listened to the story. What did I learn from this person? Either from her story, from the way that she expressed her story. And I write down the lessons from those interviews. And then I said, okay, great. Now I have to share this with the world. So I'm doing the blog and I'm sharing the stories. The blog is on my website. Now I'm writing a book. Uh, The book is by the editor. I want this message out. I want to impact so many people. So that's when I decided, you know what? I'm going to develop my course. I'm going to create a structure for me to lead the women into this path. And everything is done with a very visual way of healing. Kintsugi is a big part of it. And the steps of healing of the course is the same steps of fixing a Kintsugi piece. And the lessons that I learned from these women are embedded in the course. Mm -hmm. It is a fascinating journey. It is a difficult journey. I tell, I shared it with you yesterday when we were in a multi-hour conversation. <laughs> I said, because on my first video, I'm telling you, this course is hard. This course is not easy. And I cannot promise you that you're going to succeed because you need to do the work. I can only guide you. I can only take you there. I can only show you what worked for every single woman that I interviewed. But you need to actually do the work. So the question is, are you ready? Do you believe in yourself? And are you ready to do this difficult work? The most amazing thing I found out through the interviews was that it didn't matter the adversity. You see, I thought that women that come from different countries or from different cultures, from different religions, the way that they would heal would be different. So I was curious to know what did they put in place? 
But I found out that it didn't matter the age, their religions, their background, their ethnicity. But what's more is that it didn't matter the adversity, hmm. the healing process, the decision to choose joy and to start working on it is the same. Yes, some people have mental illness. They may need medication. They may need certain therapies that somebody who doesn't have won't need those things. But that's not what I teach. That's not part of the program. The part that's holistic, the part that it's in the mindset, the part that it's in the power within the person, it is the same thing between all the women. So in my book, The 10 Golden Nuggets to Healing, and in the course, I go through the process, those golden nuggets are dispersed inside the modules that are connected to Kintsugi. Wait, I have so many things. Folly, were you laughing at so many things? Because we're like, oh, like our minds are like a triangle. Did First you not of all, I'm going to start. Time? Like, yes, 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 yes. <laughs> Tell me everything. <laughs> First of all, when Folly and I recorded last time, we were talking, Folly's course was called The Vessel of Truth. And we mm-hmm. and I left her a message about being a vessel before I even knew that that was the name of her course. I said, you know, we have to be a vessel. We need to take out the negative. Right. And, and what did you say? You're a vase, a vessel, a vessel. For, <laughs> for, rose, for roses. I'm like, oh, my God, we're so aligned. Yes, it's all about being a really a vessel. And it doesn't matter as long as the vessel is empty or full of positivity or there's room for more positivity. But if it's full of negative or broken, it can't hold anything. So that's, first of all, I wanted to say that it's so interesting that you use a vase as the visual of what you were. And it's so true. It's really so true. I I just wanted to add to tell the audience what Miri did not say, that the whole Mika fashion, her clothes have gold symbols all through her whole design. Her whole fashion line is about the beauty of Kintsugi gold, different sizes, different cuts, different angles of gold throughout her fashion, which is so beautiful, different. And she is super talented. And you have to see her clothing line like you're going to just go into like this big like I want it all and <laughs> and hopefully she has it in my size so that was what so she she's really talented and that and I wanted to add Mary that you told me that what you found out from all the women and through your own recovery and finding like a bigger higher power and connection to yourself was when you were finding meaning oh, 100%. right tell me about that Yeah, I mean, I can tell you there's three stages in the recovery. You are a victim, then you're a survivor, and then you're a thriver. Some people remain forever in victim mode. Some people graduate to survivor. Some people become thrivers. The difference between the thriver and the survivor is that the thriver uses exactly their mess as their message. That becomes their purpose. They find meaning in whatever broke them and they say, okay, I'm going to take that and I'm going to heal the world. I'm going to help others that went through that same experience. Because, you know, when you do that, you give reason to the pain that you went through. Because one of the very difficult things for people to make peace is, is I don't understand why, why pain? Why do we need to suffer? Why do we need, not just me, why there needs to be suffering in the world, right? It's a private issue. It is a community issue. Why do we need to go through pain? But then when we experience the pain and we manage to resolve it and we say, oh, I understand. That's why I'm here because I need to take that, something that I've learned and I can help other people. I'm telling you, every single woman that I interviewed are grateful to have gone through what they went through. Now, nobody wishes bad things to happen. Nobody wishes to experience such tragedies or challenges, but they don't want to go back to the person that they were before. They are happy once they recover, once they are a thriver. Yes. They they say, I couldn't see myself going back to the person that I was before. I mean, I wish I didn't have to go through all of this, But now I see that I'm richer as an individual. 
I am so much more wise, in touch with humanity, you know, kind. You know, there's so many different feelings that we feel that we learn from the experience those we don't want to, to, to forgo. Right. So we say, okay, you know, if it, the price for me to become this better version of myself was to go through that, then at least I'm going to take now all of this wisdom. I'm going to share it with the world and I'm going to give it a bigger meaning. Yes. So I wanted to like highlight that because when you recovered and you found that Wow, when you started the fashion of the Kintsugi and every woman that you interviewed, it was like an inspiration for you and for them, a meaning to share their story and to inspire others to heal. It just gave you more fuel. And every time you interview and every time you get like a voice note that we're going to go into, like what happened with Folly, we're going to go into that later, like that encouragement that, wow, your broken vase that Miri went through, which was awful and hard and she still has stuff in life that that we all have with our children with our businesses with our spouses with life with neighbors with coronavirus we still have it but the question is how quickly can we find that gold to glue it back together and how quickly do we want it and that that's why i'm going to bring folly in for a second Uh, miri before i go to folly what's the name of the course the name of the course is Heal with Gold. Heal with Gold. And that's where I'm going to bring Folly in because it's all about healing with gold. And what I I have so much to say for Folly right now. Can I just say one thing <laughs> yes. before Folly comes in? Yes. Because the message that Folly left me, and you will lead into it, and, and Folly will share. I mean, I don't know that Folly understands that those types of messages is the air I breathe. Those types of messages are my everything, right? That is why I do what I do. In, in, you know, I, my, my previous career was a lot more profitable. My, I had more quality of life. This career is the one that I see that I'm touching people, but not always you know that you're touching people. So when you get a message like that, that's giving me life. And I remember the first message that I got that impacted me tremendously. And if you want later, I can tell you about that message. And then I got many messages, but then there's the few messages. And then it was Fally's message. And that's why I had to ask her permission to share that message with you. I must have heard it already 10 times. So, yeah. Um, yeah so go ahead. I did over 20. Um. <laughs> That's so validated. You don't know how I was questioning myself. I'm like, what am I reaching out to this woman who honestly, you're one of my like superstars on Instagram. You're like this idol to me. And I'm just like, should I do that? She's going to think I'm some crazy stalker, just sending her this message. And then it ended up being an 11 minute message. And I'm thinking to myself, am I crazy? I'm sending this random person who doesn't know me an 11 minute message. And yeah, I did. And because of that message, because you gave permission for me to hear it. I listened to it twice or three times that night. It was two o'clock in the morning. And my husband's like, uh, what are you listening to? I said, you have to hear this. Like, it was like crazy. And I said, like, <laughs> you have to hear this. And he said, okay, we're going to do it tomorrow, whatever. And, um, and then we were listening to it more and more and more. And I was like, the world, and I reached out to Folly. I said, the world needs to hear your message. We need to make this go viral because... As listen, I did the work. I did a lot of work, as everybody knows. I read almost every self help book. I did the courses, meditation. I went all over the world to heal. But something that Folly said in that message was something that I've never, my mind never experienced that. I'm going to say it the mind orgasm. <laughs> <laughs> Listen, you're talking to a sex therapist right here. You know we can talk about this all day. Next next episode. <laughs> I told Folly that I was having a mind orgasm. It was just to a degree that I could not process it, that I needed to hear it more and more and more and more. Yeah. And I and then I said, okay, Folly, we have to do this this interview because this whole connection, by the way, this Zoom, I think it's the first time you're seeing each other, right? I saw both of you yes. many times. 
one on one. But this so is like first time. Video. But this is I first your video. Right. I saw you were the first time you're talking to each other on Zoom. You you yeah. communicated with each other, but this is the first time you're actually meeting face to face, which is like Oh, and also, do you know how many times we said that we should get together? It took you, Matanat, to make it happen. Right. It's crazy. So, okay, before I go into the message, which is really the essence of what this um, Miri's course is all about, really the essence, and Folly says it in such a beautiful way in her experience of wearing Miri's fashion, and as Folly is in the whole world of spirituality and healing and hypnotherapy and anything you want to talk about, you can talk to Folly about, and even it could be about mold. She'll talk to you about mold and the different shapes of mold. <laughs> Do you want to see my mold experiment? It's right here. She ex- my mold she experiments. experiments. Right with mold, next to me. She experiments with art. She's an artist. She's a musician. She she loves drums. She loves. <laughs> and my four drums are she loves, in front of me on the table. Yeah. And she's allergic you know to avocados, so well. but she wants to reconnect with avocados one day. So there's so much about Folly that we could talk about, but. I want to focus about the message, but beforehand, Folly, I want to touch upon something that you say so beautifully, and we speak mm-hmm. about this a lot. For I know you for a year and a half, and I think every single time we speak, we talk about this, and this is what Miri said, that you need to go from the victim, survivor, thriver. So we speak about this a lot, and a lot of people don't like hearing it, that you need to leave victim mode and you need to own your story and you need to be okay with your story. And you can't say, you don't understand. You know what? As healers, we hear a lot, but you don't understand. You don't understand. Let's say it in a nice way that people should understand, Folly, because you have a way with words. Can you explain to people what that means? That we're not not empathetic and we can't want it more than you need to want it, but we know what it's like to be on the other side. We have that that joy orgasm. And I'm going to call it orgasm because it's really an experience of joy that you've never experienced before. If you didn't go through the adversity, you just, it's a different experience of life, of a vibration of life, of connections. So what is it that we want to tell people about the fact that they need to leave the victim mode and just start and own it and say, I could do it. I don't know how, and it's not that we're mean. I think to start with, when people say you don't understand, well, the truth is I don't understand. I only understand what I went through and I will never understand what you went through, even if on the surface, it seems we went through the same thing. So the, the point to healing is not about me understanding you or us coming to some mutual understanding. That's not where healing or the secret to healing lies is not in being understood. Maybe in being validated, because that's definitely an aspect to it, but not in being understood. And I learned this the hard way because you try to make everybody understand you and everybody tries to understand each other. But at the end of the day, it's not up to everybody else. It's something that has to happen inside of you. And that thing that has to happen inside of you, that's really the mind shift that takes you from victim to survivor and then to thriver. Well, it kind of goes like this. As a kid, we were always taught in school that God gave you choice, right? Especially in Judaism, it's a very big tenet of our faith. You have free will, you have choice. And as a kid, I never really understood it because if you know, if you know that everything is predetermined, if you know that there is destiny and God knows the outcome to everything that will ever be and what's going to happen and what you're going to choose, what does free choice actually mean? So I remember in school being given this like example where, you know, a mother has two lollipops and she tells the kid, do you want the red one? Do you want the green one? And she knows that the kid is going to pick the red one, but there's this like illusion of choice and the kid will always pick the red one, but there's illusion of choice. And it sat well with 98% of my classmates. And I was the one that said, but what if the kid picks the green one? (laughs) So that's not true. That's not a good example of what God is doing. Because at the end of the day, free choice is free choice. And maybe I will pick the green one. So then how does that answer this predetermination of God actually knowing the outcome? It's not a good example. And it took me a very long time until it finally clicked for me. That's not the free choice we are actually being given because sometimes you don't have choices that you like. Sometimes your choices feel very, very limited. And sometimes Sometimes on the surface, it even seems 
like you don't have a choice. Nobody gave me a choice. And Miri, I know no one gave you a choice about the circumstances that you were put through. You woke up one day and you found your life broken to pieces. We didn't get it. We didn't choose that. So where is free choice? And I realized free choice is in your mind. You can choose how you want to see the situation, how you want to talk about it, how you want to think about it, and how you want to go about it. That is the free choice that God leaves completely up to you. Yes, God's going to take care of all the surroundings, everything that happens to you, the outcome, all on God. But the inside, the way I feel about it, the way I think about it, and what I plan to do about it, that's on me. And that's where free choice comes in. And that's what healing is all about. And that's where it begins. How do I choose to see this and, and feel walk this? through it? So that that's to, right. And that to me is the secret of stepping from victim because victim thinks they have no choice, but that's because they're focused on the outside world where the truth is in the outside. You may not have had a choice. I didn't choose the situations I went through, but if you're busy focusing on the situations, then you're in victim. Survivor realizes they have a choice. A thriver is the one who commits to making that choice and makes it, and by the way, yes. makes it again and again and again. Right. You don't make it once. You make it every second. Yeah. I have to tell you day. that I You're interviewed a, a lot of people. And the first thing that all of them said to me is that the, their healing began when they had enough being a victim. Mm -hmm. And it's every single one. Now, some of them, the ones that were naturally resilient, got to that point, maybe sometimes within a year from the adversity or sooner, I interviewed people that it took them 10, 15 years. Mm. So that's why it was very obvious for me to see that it's all types of women. It's not, there's, you can change your life even after 10, 15 years or whatever amount of time being a victim, if you make that choice. It's just like Fally said, it's a choice. And that's a choice that you have to make every single day. And when people come and say to me, I want to do it. How did you do it? I, I can't. I don't know all the reasons. And I said, the money, the money, right? I don't have the money. I can't. My husband, my job, my children. And, and I am not minimizing it. They are real, real hurdles. There are really hard things that we have to figure it out. And I always say to them, when the excuses stop, that's when you know you're ready to commit to the process. Mm -hmm. And and I said, you will know. You will know when you're ready to commit to the process. And it's a constant, as as you said, it's a constant commitment. It's when we we start and we're a year in, and then we feel like we went all the way back because we had a trigger. And oh, I thought I healed, but it's really, oh my God, all these emotions are coming back. And I thought I forgave, but why am I hating this person? And I thought that I was over the trauma and and here I didn't sleep. The commitment is that when you know that you work through it and you did the programs and you did the therapy, you keep on showing up for yourself, even when you're triggered, even when you go back, you're like, okay, let's stand up and start walking again. Let's take that step and not giving up. And you need to want it so badly. And I say, you need to want it. If you don't want it, everything will stop you and you'll have a list that doesn't end of the reasons why you cannot take the first step. And it starts with the first step. It doesn't start by knowing the path. There is no GPS that tells you, okay, you're going to get there in uh, three and a half years or two and a half months or whatever. And this is the road you're going to take. And this is the steps you're going to take. And this is the money you're going to need. No, you take the first step of commitment and then it opens the next door and the next door and the next door. And that's, that's the way but you have to leave the victim mode. Otherwise, it just doesn't happen. It just doesn't happen. Living with mental illness can be full of pain, frustration, and anguish. At times, it can feel like you are completely alone. Well-meaning loved ones may not understand what you are going through and might not be able to offer the support you need. Finding the right source of support is crucial to your journey of healing. While we always encourage you to seek appropriate medical and psychological help, Adding someone to your team who has been where you are can provide a much-needed shoulder to lean on. Matana knows what it is like to feel debilitating anxiety, and through her own journey of more than a decade living with mental illness, she has spoken with hundreds of others navigating their own anxiety and depression. Matana is not a therapist or a doctor, but has been able to partner with many individuals like yourself, creating a strategy toward mental, physical, and emotional well-being. 
One-on-ones with Matana are self-paced conversations allowing you to move forward at a comfortable pace. She'll work with you as you discover your own path and the steps that are right for you. To schedule a free 30-minute consultation with Matana, head over to hopetorecharge.com forward slash free. That's hopetorecharge.com forward slash F-R-E-E. Or you can click the link in today's show notes. And now let's get right back to Matana and today's conversation. So the reason why we call this episode Healing with Gold is because of the message that Folly left Mary after a retreat. The Folly does retreats, healing retreats, which are phenomenal for women. There are three days retreats that it's all about healing, but not the way you think you're healing. Not the traditional way that we think that we heal. We go to a spiritual healer and he weighs a magic wand and he says, pucha, 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 and you're, you're good. Or you go to a, a therapist and, or a psychiatrist, he gives you medication and you're, no. So Folly's going to explain in a minute her way of healing. But what was so interesting was about the message was, it was the biggest testimonial for Mary about what it means, but it's exactly what Folly's retreats are all about, about the idea that you can hold a broken heart. And a broken heart is sometimes the most beautiful place. So now I'm going to hand the mic over to Folly. And I want you to share what you share with Miri on that voice note. If you remember, and if you don't remember everything, I can, I probably know it by heart by now. (laughs) (laughs) And that it happened right after you came back from the retreat, you sent it to her. Not, no, you didn't really know each other. And you said, I just want you to know what this dress meant to me. And it was right after Miri was trying to figure something out. I think her father her father was, it was your, a year to your father's passing, Mary? Was it? No, no. It was with the whole story with the museum. Oh, the, right, right, right. Okay. She's going to tell that story. Don't give it away yet. There was something, it was like, a, <laughs> it was a message, a message from above, like just a message to say, keep on going, keep on doing what you're doing is changing lives. And Folly told her view of what this Kintsugi dress means to her and how she incorporates it into healing tons of women, tons and tons and tons of women, and they incorporate it into their lives. And it all started by women in Boca creating this Kintsugi line. And Folly in Brooklyn is doing worldwide events with the Kintsugi dress. So Folly, tell this story. Wow. Thank you. So where to start? So the workshops that I run, we call them Journey to Home. And Really, the workshop is about the journey itself. Home isn't a place. Home is an experience. And you know this because I know that every time I visit Israel and then I come back to America, and yes, this is my house, but for a long time after I come back from Israel, which feels like my home, my house in Brooklyn doesn't always feel like my home. So a home is not where you live, but it's where you experience aliveness. It's where you experience safety. It's where you experience love. I'm not the one who named the workshop. I run the women's workshop, but the men's workshop existed for longer than the women's workshop. So they named it. It's called Journey to Home. And I just think it's a beautiful representation of what we do. It's not about a destination. It is about the journey. And in my journey, in my healing work, you know, everybody has their own medicine to give. Everyone is special and everybody has what to offer. And it took also a while for me to get over my savior complex and think that I could do everything and be everything for everyone to realize that I also have my niche and my specific medicine. And what my specific medicine is, is really empowerment, letting women know you can do this and you don't need me. You don't need me to do this. And it's something that I say a lot. I tell people, I am the Messiah, but I am not your Messiah. You have to do that for yourself. (laughs) You know, I really, you know, I can save myself but you have to save yourself and I can show you how it's done. I can show you how I did it for me and I can support you as you do it for you. And that's really my brand of medicine. It wasn't always because when I was younger and when I was first starting in this work, I think for a lot of people, there is a messiah complex, codependency. I want to feel special. I want to feel like I can help everybody. And it very quickly burnt me out. And it was something that I needed to learn. My boundaries, my place, what my superpower actually is. And my superpower is showing people that it can be done. So on the workshops that we run, 
the, the theme of the workshop is from start to finish, taking people out of their story. We become very attached to our stories. We become very attached to where I come from, what I went through, how it defines me, but then how it also limits you because it really, really does. So on the workshop and one of my favorite, most people don't know this. I mean, and we've had hundreds of people coming through the workshop and most people don't know this. When I designed the workshop, my paradigm for designing the workshop was actually Peter Pan. It's one of my favorite childhood stories. It's a little dark and twisted if you look into it as an adult, but essentially what Peter Pan is, is the story of trauma. It's a story about a child who never grew up, which is the story of the inner child, the wounded one inside of all of us that never really grew up, who lives in Never Neverland, you know, which is the place of fantasy. It's a place of story. And what we need to do, and, there, and, and Peter Pan doesn't have a shadow. His shadow is always trying to catch up with him. He's always running away from his shadow, which is what it takes to really grow up, to start embracing the shadows. So keeping Peter Pan in my mind, I designed the flow of the workshop. And the flow is showing people how limiting your story is when you, when you allow yourself to be attached to the story, breaking the story down into the energy pattern. And but what I mean by that is so many people will come onto a workshop saying, well, my trauma is that I can't, uh, I couldn't get my kid accepted into the schools that I wanted to get him accepted to. I fought and he, he was rejected from five different schools. And I'm like, so twisted about this. And they'll go on and on and on and on and on about this story, even though it happened three years ago. And what we'll show them is how to break it down to the core wounds, which is, oh, I feel like I never belonged, or I feel like I was never seen. And then we work with the core wound. We get them out of their story and we help them heal their core wound. Because if we let them stay in their story and we spend three days processing that story, all we did was process one story out of a hundred million that you're going to deal with in your life. So we're not focused on the story. We're focused on the underlying wound. Because when you can break open that wound, when you can heal that wound, then all those stories don't matter anymore. So that's the paradigm of the workshop. So we're, I don't want to use the word tough because I'm not tough. I'm very warm and I'm very friendly and I'm very funny and, and, and loving, but I'm very focused. I'm very focused and I'm very committed when it comes to this work. And on these workshops, we really tend to attract women who are ready to commit to healing without making it anyone else's problem. They know that it's their job. So some of the things we say on the workshop is when you go home from this workshop, nothing's going to change in your life. You know, you're still going to go back to that abusive spouse or that very difficult financial situation or whatever it is that you're dealing with. The only thing that's going to change is you and your perspective if you choose. And I can't do that for you. That's for you to do. So it's a very, very powerful, empowering workshop that there's no fluff. There's no rah-rah. You know, there's a lot of tears, a lot of breaking, a lot of crying. And one of the powerful things about the workshop is we don't actually send the women home high. You know, the first couple of times that I did workshops or did those things, it was nice for me that people were going home like, oh my gosh, this was amazing. Then they had this like horrific crash five days later <laughs> when real life hit. And then we learned how to kind of guide them through the journey in a very grounded way. A lot of them go home feeling really raw, really open. And I tell them that's beautiful because you are strong enough to handle that. You're going to go home very real not fluffy, and then crash a week or two later. And you know, the track record for the women who have gone through the workshop is a year, two years later, they're still doing very well. They haven't had that crash because we really start from the basement and we, lead, we do that real raw vulnerable work and they know that they're ready. So bringing it back to Kintsuge, these workshops take everything out of me. They're exhausting. I'm, I'm like without sleep for four days. The workshop is essentially three days, but our staff comes up a day earlier and we have our own separate staff workshop. So comfort is everything for me, you know? And when I was introduced to the Kintsugi dress, it was, it was perfect. It was comfortable. It was beautiful. I mean, as much as I tell people you can walk around in sweatpants, you know, as the facilitator of the workshop, you want to look a certain way. You, you do demand a certain command, a certain respect. And it's, a and it's, over, it's over a weekend. It's over, you know, Shabbos. You want to dress, you want to dress nicer. Her dress was perfect. It was so... Perfect. And every workshop, Friday night, I show up wearing this dress. It's comfortable. It's stretchable. It's breathable. At this point, half my staff shows up wearing this dress because everyone who sees me in it is like, where'd you get that? I want that. And then sometime around Friday night, around the table, we start talking about, you know, it ends up being very organic. It's not like, guys, do you want to know why I wear this dress? Although it's becoming more and more of like a thing on the workshop that I wear the dress and we know that some 
time Friday night, I will end up talking about the dress, about Kintsugi, about what it means to heal with gold and why this dress means so much to me. But on the last workshop, something completely different happened. Thank you so much for joining me here on part one of this incredible episode. But wait, there's more. Part two is coming up in the next few weeks. Stay tuned for it. If you want immediate access to part two, because this episode is really amazing, amazing. Part two has the highlights of all of the tips and tricks from Folly and Mary. It's really one of the most powerful episodes of all 140-something episodes on Hope to Recharge. You can find immediate access to those that can't wait. It's on our website. Go to hopetorecharge.com and you can find it under our premium content. You will find a link, a direct link to download part two of this amazing episode. So you can either find a link in the show notes, just go to the show notes and you'll find a link to part two of Healing with Gold episode, or you can go directly to hopetorecharge.com, go to episodes, premium content, and you're going to find part two of this incredible episode. Or you can just wait until it's released on the regular platforms, whatever you use usually. Here's a sneak peek of what is hiding in this incredible part two of Healing with Gold episode. My life is magic. It really, really is. And so many times when I share stories with people about some awesome, crazy thing that just happened to me, because the most crazy things happen to me, like, like really, and you know, some of my stories, anything I want, it's just boom. It's like on a silver platter. And people always say, Folly, only you, only you. But it's not true because it can be you too. Living a life full of magic is a choice. And magic, I know in, in, in the world of fantasy that I grew up in, I'm, I'm a Harry Potter generation, you know, it always says magic always comes at a price. And they say it in this like very negative way, magic comes at a price, but it doesn't have to be a negative price, but there, there is an entry fee. It's like you said, there's a founder's club, right? There, there's, there's, there's a buy-in to living a life full of magic and the buy-in is making choices. And sometimes those are yeah. very difficult choices, but at the core of it all is, do you choose to be a victim or do you choose to live a life with magic? And magic doesn't always mean it's going to be easy, but you can do this. And and, and that's healing with gold. It's healing. It's honoring your cracks. You will go through your life showing off your cracks, but they will be filled with gold and you can do this. It's okay to have a broken heart and don't run away from it. Look at it, feel it, sit in it because the healing comes through the broken heart. It really comes through owning the broken heart. We're so used to give me medication to numb my depression. Give me medication to numb my OCD. Give me my medication to for my anxiety. But what is triggering all that? Something, a trauma, a brokenness. If we just sat with our brokenness, and I, and I say this often on my podcast that my yoga teacher, Davira, may bless her heart. She used to say to me, stop running away from it. Sit in it, feel it. And I said, Davira, I am going to healers that I'm spending $5,000 an hour. You think I want to sit in this pain? I want to run away. She said, stop running. The answers are inside you. Just sit in the silence of your brokenness. And I remember saying, like, I won't survive. If I sit in this pain, I'm not going to survive. Thank you for joining me here. Bye till next time. Thank you for joining us and taking the time to listen. I really appreciate it. Please hit the subscribe button so you can hear further episodes. If you are listening to us on iTunes, please leave feedback and ratings below. Let us know if there's any topic that you would like to hear from us in the future. Bye till next time.